It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Reds, and in fact, every podcast episode for the month of May for the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Reach for the best tasting protein bar that's actually tastes like a candy bar on the market today. Go to builtbar.com and in the checkout, enter promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N for $10 off your first order. You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. All righty, for today's Locked On Reds, my friend and yours, Stephen Offenbaker returns from the Big Island of Hawaii. We're going to talk about some Reds baseball, some evaluations looking at second base, which has a brand new face. And also got some thoughts about the one Bryce Harper and his idea for restarting baseball, or at least once they figure out the, you know, the big thoughts that are holding everything back. But first, Steve, how you doing, sir? Aloha. How are you doing, Jeff? And and were you trying to sound like Dr. Seuss, the brand new face at second base? <laughs> He's going to be playing all over the place. I'm going to roll Just with in that. case. <laughs> Moose. I, I, man, I can't wait to see him play. But yes, I, I like the rhyming aspect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to try and uh, roll with that. I'm going to have to pre-write more of my show, though, which... That might be a pain, so I don't know. Maybe not. We'll just see what flies off the cuff here. <laughs> you know, there's no place to go but up at this point. So That's what I say every day <laughs> I wake up. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about our good friend, or soon-to-be good friend, Moose, who just joined the Reds on, while the most lucrative free agent contract that the Reds had ever given out. I also still think it's kind of a good deal. I I don't think that they went too crazy. They may be overpaid a little bit, but I don't think they, you know, we're not looking at some crazy deal. Like I think back in the day, whenever uh, the, uh, the Yankees signed uh, Burnett from the Marlins and gave him like 900 gajillion million dollars. And then I don't think he pitched very much for them, but anyway, it's not, it's nothing like that. I don't think the Reds are getting hosed in this deal and they're starting him at second base. Like they've come out and they've already said that he is the main plan right now. And before we get into what might happen, should a designated hitter become a thing? What do you think first and foremost of Moose at second? Well, you know, first on the contract, I have I have tried to adjust my thinking in how I look at these big league contracts, especially when we're talking about free agents. And I've come to the conclusion that there there really is no such thing as overpaying. And we can put air quotes around the word overpaying. Sure. I don't think there's any such thing at this point. I really think that, you know, it costs what it costs. And to get a free agent to come to Cincinnati, 
it, that's what it costs. So it's not overpaying. Uh, I don't I don't look at it that way anymore, especially when you look really overall at how much money is just floating around in the game. Um, you know, it's just it's just the fee, and you pay it or you don't. Um, but I don't think that it's overpaying because what are we comparing that to? Uh, over you know overpaying compared to another player, another situation. I don't think you can do that. So I've tried to stop looking at contracts that way. Now, bringing him in here to play second base, I think that, uh, you know, something you and I were talking about uh, off air before we started recording really cements the deal in that the the most playing time at second base in the 2019 season was Jose Peraza. And, you know, yeah. clearly you had to make some type of upgrade from there. And Moustakis is definitely an upgrade from there. And... You know, the Reds were aggressive. They went after Moustakis early in free agency. They they pulled the trigger on the deal and they got it done. So, you know, credit to Castellini and Dick Williams for uh, identifying that need and addressing it right away. I agree. And when you look at the fact that Peraza's gone, and even while he was here, we always knew that the strategy surrounding him was more we hoped he would get better because he would show flashes and then he would show long stretches that you're like, okay, he's he's just not the guy. So, And then you add in the fact that defensive shifts and things like that, I'm not super worried about his defense because Moose, while he's not going to make any Brandon Phillips-esque plays, he's also not going to boot the easy ones. And I think when you look at some of the guys who've played second base over the last you know, well, since Brandon Phillips was there, I, I think Moose compares pretty favorably to them I, with the glove. And then as far as the bat is concerned, you slot them in in the four or the five spot, and you're pretty happy with that. And, and you know, I mean, he was a third baseman. If you can play third base at the major league level, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to say you can play second base at the major league level. It, you got to have mean, some reflexes for sure. You got to have some reflexes already. Um, you know, the footwork is different. You you know, you got to work on, you know, turning the double play. But, you know, it's not rocket science, I think, to scoot over from third base to second base. I don't I don't feel like it's a difficult adjustment. It, you know, not like asking him to play 150 games at shortstop. You know, it's it's right. uh it, you know, this is a professional athlete. He'll, he'll make the adjustments and put in the work. He needs to be comfortable there. And I think, uh, you know, what he brings offensively uh, as an upgrade over what we had last year uh, more than makes up for, you know, a little bit of defensive fall off from having Peraza out there. And I think a easy thought process, maybe maybe you use the term lazy or something like that, is that people think, oh, well, Moose, since he profiles as a middle-of-the-order type hitter, he's a bigger guy. You don't want a bigger guy at second base. Quick uh, question for you. How what, how big do you think Brandon Phillips was? Oh, maybe 6'1", 6'2", maybe like 200 pounds? Six foot, 2'11". How big do you think Mike Mustakas is? Well, see, I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now, so I'm <laughs> cheating. Six foot, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Exactly. He's not. He's not that much bigger. I, you know, you figure a guy whose nickname is Moose, he's going to be a big dude, but it just kind of works with his name. It's not so much that he's, you know, like Adam Dunn esque or anything like that. So it's it's not as if he's going to be a rock and he can't move. He he knows what he's doing over there, on 
the infield, so I, I really don't think it's going to be that big of a liability. But I wonder on your thoughts about this, because with every proposal that we've seen, whether it be the Arizona plan, the uh, 30... Uh, well, you know, whatever the plan that we're looking at right now, all the different plans, they all say the same thing, universal designated hitter. And that's going to impact the Reds in a very positive way, but it's because they've got a glut of outfielders and they've also got a aging first baseman. Do you think that the addition of the designated hitter means that we'll see more of Nick Senzel at second base where some scouts have said that he profiles as an elite Defender. I don't know the answer to that because I really think that if they go to a universal designated hitter, the majority of those at bats are going to go to Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. So the the real question there is who do they use to play first base if Votto is playing DH? And I don't. I'm not convinced that it's Mustakis. I don't think that's who you move. You know, I can see, I can see Winker getting time over there. I can see, you know, like you and I talked about on my show, Nick Castellanos getting time mm-hmm. at first base. Uh, in any case, I see it being more outfielders that they use over there, which would keep Senzel in the outfield. You know, I, I see you putting Senzel out there in center and and scooting uh, Aki left or over to right, and that's how you get the extra bat in the lineup. So. Uh, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't think that Senzel necessarily gets moved to the infield just based on the designated hitter. I think it. The more realistic option to see Senzel in the infield will be if uh, David Bell does the musical chairs that you and I have talked about, um, with Suarez getting some time at shortstop, uh, with then Mustakis moving to third base, which that's the scenario where you may see Senzel come to the infield. I, I agree with you. I think that that also falls in step with what we've been hearing from David Bell and Dick Williams, you know, really back during spring training whenever people were talking to them. But at the same token, they were asking them about would we see Nixon Zell move to the infield that much this season? And they both pretty much reiterated that they think of him as a center fielder and not even just a outfielder, but as a center fielder. Mm-hmm. So that as much as I would love to see because of the scouting report that says that he would be a very good defender at second base, and it's something that he did a lot in the minor leagues, it was play second base. I think based on what they have said, and like like you mentioned, the the – other players who would benefit more from being hidden over at first base or hidden on the designated hitter spot that, yeah, Nixon Zell probably doesn't move into second base quite as much as some may think. Coming up, Steve and I talk about Bryce Harper's idea for baseball after we figure everything else out and what we think about that and maybe the direction that the game is going. But first, a shout out to Built Bar. Make sure you go to BuiltBar.com and take advantage of this promo code locked on to get $10 off your first order. We're talking about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's healthy. But it also tastes like a candy bar, which is pretty awesome when you combine those two things because normally you don't get good tasting and healthy together unless you're just paying through the nose. 
Built Bar's not that way. And they've got all kind of great flavors that you can check out, like mint chocolate cream, and you've got double chocolate mousse. I've mentioned them a couple of different times before. Banana Nut Bread is a very, very good flavor as well. And you're going to want to reach for these a whole bunch, so you're going to want to get you a bunch from BuiltBar.com. And on your first order, you can save $10 by entering the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the audiobook edition of 24 Life Stories and Lessons from the Say Hey Kid. In this reflective and inspirational memoir, the legendary Willie Mays shares the inspirations and influences responsible for guiding him on and off the field. Widely regarded as the greatest all-around player in baseball history, the beloved Willie Mays offers people of all ages his lifetime of experience meeting challenges with positivity, integrity, and triumph. This special audiobook production includes a forward read by Bob Costas and a bonus conversation with Willie Mays and his co-author, John Shea. Whether you miss seeing your favorite players on the field this season or you're just looking for the perfect Father's Day gift, 24 is the inspiring story of one of sports fans' favorite living legends. Buy the audiobook edition of 24 now wherever audiobooks are sold. So let's talk about, and I know I didn't really have too much of a natural segue there, but something that I saw on Instagram and a lot of people were talking about because all of these health and safety protocols and all of the doom and gloom surrounding financial and the the sides that have been formed, whether you back the players, you back the owners, or you're a fan that just wants baseball, whatever it is, Bryce Harper came out with an idea. And this is aside from all of that. He he even mentions in his Instagram post, he said, say for a minute we figure out the health stuff and we figure out the financial stuff, which is paramount to figuring out anything else for this season. Here's my idea for the format. It would start in June or July, and each team would only get one off day for every two weeks. So they play for 13 straight days, and on that 13th day, which would be a Sunday, according to this plan. They would play a doubleheader in which both games are seven innings and then have Monday off. Then you add in the fact that they're cutting the league into, you know, geometric, geometric, geographic, geo. <laughs> they're cutting it in half with the east and the west and oh, that thing in the bob. Uh, geo something. See, sometimes I try to say big words and I trip myself up. So there's that. Um, (laughs) so we go East and West, like the NBA with what I kind of figured the demarcation line would be Chicago, all this other stuff before we get too far into the details. Cause I'm just now thinking that we're getting too far into the details. What do you think about all this? Oh boy. You know, if we're going to restart baseball the product that we put on the field needs to still be baseball and get out of here with these six and seven inning proposals get out of here with these ridiculous you know if there's an extra inning game we'll put the runners on base already and and you know let's either play baseball or not and if we are gonna play baseball 
the only things that need to be figured out, as I continue to say, is they need to figure out how to account for player personnel safety. They need to account for how they're going to arrange the travel. And they need to figure out how they're going to pay the players. Those are the only three things they got to do. Anything else besides that is gimmick and taking advantage of the situation. But All Steve, they got to do is pay the players what they said they were going to pay them in March, tell everybody how they're going to keep them safe, and get the hell out of the way, and then we'll have baseball. But Steve, under this plan, the Reds will get on national TV more because they'll probably be playing the Yankees and the Red Sox a few more times. No, no, no. It just stop. It... This is the most Cincinnati thing ever. I'm, I'm, this, this, the Reds and the Bengals both go out and spend millions of dollars when it's never happened before. So you know, I feel like probably at this point, Castellini and Mike Brown are responsible for closing the country anyway. <laughs> but it just, this is the most Cincinnati thing ever. And when we finally put together a team that you know can win the division, and and you want us to now play the Red Sox and the damn Yankees? <laughs> no. <laughs> it just it either needs to be baseball or it's not. But you know, the truth of the matter, Jeff, is that I've I've reached a point where I don't believe there's going to be baseball in twenty twenty. I don't think that uh the owners have positioned themselves in a way that they can walk back what they've said about the money they're gonna lose. And I don't think they can walk back uh to the table and say, Well, okay, we'll do what we said we were gonna do in March. I think they're I think they're past that point. Um Did I you? feel like what we're gonna see uh. is the players uh, not playing this year, they'll play out the 2021 season as uh, agreed to, and then we're going to have another work stoppage in 2022. Did you see, and this was uh, from John Heyman on Twitter, this wasn't Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal or Jason Stark, this was John Heyman, but I still believe so what him. what you're saying is there's not a lot of credibility here? <laughs> there's, uh, I, you know, I'm not putting him in the upper echelon of credibility, but what he said is something that intrigues me because if it is 100% true, it means that the owners are doubling down on their financial crises reporting because in his tweet, he mentions that many executives believe that even if they played the 82 game season and the players played for free they would still lose a combined 1.5 to 2 billion if they didn't pay the players at all how is that even possible it's not possible that it's, makes no it's, sense it's not possible it's not <laughs> true it's and i challenge any of the major league baseball teams to open up their books and prove it that's the thing. I, I just, I, I just open up their books and prove it. it it's, yeah. you know, and if you want to hear more about the ridiculousness of some of the things are, that are being said by Major League Baseball and the owners, you know, check out some of the stuff Doug Gray has put out because he's pretty <laughs> well versed on this. And yeah. the the years that they have paid themselves, you know, quote unquote fines and penalties and taxes, you know, they have so much money in slush funds hidden in the Major League Baseball bank accounts that it's unbelievable that they can come out with a straight face and, you know, tell these lies. It's unbelievable that Manfred could sit on that horrible, horrible couch and tell the country <laughs> that they're going to lose $4 billion. There's absolutely no way that that is true. 
Pretty sure my grandma had that couch when I was a kid and got rid of it back when I was like 10 years old. But uh, yeah, no, I, I tell you. And shout out to Doug. He's going to be on the podcast with me tomorrow. Uh, don't tell him, but I'm going to get him riled up with all this stuff because I'm telling you what, the, some of this, you just see it. And I think of all of the memes and all of the gifts that have come from the last dance of Michael Jordan looking at an iPad completely incredulously. That's how I feel whenever I see some of these numbers that they're reporting. And and kind of like, I, I think he shared the Baseball America post today, Doug did. Uh, Baseball America talking about they ran the numbers that Major League Baseball said that the amateur contracts that they're about to hand out this season are $440 million and baseball America was like, oh, hand up. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't add up. And I think that what we're hearing from the league, and, and then you look at the fact that, you know, ESPN reported today about all of the health and safety protocols that were quote unquote released and leaked Major League Baseball sent that to the Associated Press. Oh, let's, absolutely. Let's, let's call it what sure. it is. They they gave it up of their own free will to try and make it seem like, oh, see, guys, we're really working on this. ESPN reported today that there's not one local health and safety official in any state who was consulted about this. And then Major League Baseball like walked it back and like, oh, no, 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 no. See, this is just a rough draft. This, this is the first draft. And it's like... Well, then why did you make it public? You guys are just, this. they are bungling this to the effect that I never thought I would see a corporate professional sports entity bungle something. In fact, I, I thought the NCAA would do something this bad before Major League Baseball ever did, but here we are. You know what it feels like, Jeff? It feels like that there was a decision made in a boardroom amongst all of these owners and the commissioner of baseball that these guys are all ready to get out of the baseball business. Yeah. And it's almost like they've executed a four or five year plan to squeeze every dime out of the sport that they can before they shut it down for good, before they just wreck it and walk away and, and be able to file bankruptcy and protect all the money that they've squirreled away. Um, it's really starting to feel like that. The decisions that are being made are not being made in the best interest of the sport in the short term or the long term. It's only being made in the best interest of these owners' short-term bank account. And it, it just doesn't seem to be viable in any way for the long-term health of the sport. So it really does feel like they've made a decision to just tank it. It's like the storyline of Major League where the owner's trying to move the team to Florida except – this is the entire league and they're trying to just erase the league. And I don't know who has to stand up and say, there's only thing one, only one thing left to do. And that's when the whole thing, right. But <laughs> I don't know. Someone's got to do it because I this mean, is you just think ridiculous. about it. If they, if they find a way, if, if they would were to find a way to squeeze billions of dollars out of the sport, file bankruptcy, shut it down. They could all then come back with a new league that opens with a salary cap in place, that opens with, you know, owner-friendly uh, salary scale. And they get rid of these guys that are making, you know, $100 million contracts, $200 million contracts, $250 million contracts. They eliminate all of that. I'm telling you, there might be something here. I know it's a big conspiracy theory, but, you know, we are in an era of conspiracy theories right now. So Ugh. I wouldn't put Boy. it past them. It makes a lot more sense than what they're actually doing. 
We we, de- we definitely are. I I take calls at a radio station for different radio shows. Believe me, I I've heard all of the conspiracy. Although no one has mentioned that uh, Mike Brown and Bob Castellini were the cause for the virus, so that's that's a new one. I'm gonna have to they see. Totally, if they did it. They need to. They need to apologize. <laughs> They, they need to hold a joint press conference right there on the banks of the Ohio River and say they're sorry. They took, they signed all these contracts, and then they looked at each other, and they're like, what the hell are we doing? And they jumped on a plane, went to Wuhan, China, and the rest is history. See, there you go. <laughs> all right. Oh, boy. Somebody's going to really like that on Twitter tomorrow. Steve, thank you so much for joining me on today's show looking at second base and and, and really i know that the bryce harper plan is a little out there but at least he is proposing something that is progress or the advancement of the sport he's not proposing a reduction he's not he's not proposing taking things away from the sport, like I, I know that the seven inning double headers isn't that great. They do that in college baseball, and I'm fine with that. And the rearranging of the divisions is interesting, and and all that other stuff. But I like what he said. He he didn't say we want a five round draft. We want to pay people less. We want to get rid of minor league teams. We want to disenfranchise communities who lean on their minor league ball clubs. That's Rob Manfred, and I'm fully on board. Hashtag Manfred hates baseball. Let's get this. There you go, Uh, Steve. Thank you, sir, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Aloha. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.